as an artist, we have the ability to tune into also kind of sort of the field, you know, of ideas, where these ideas come from that we then as artists have the ability to give meaning to. It's a huge responsibility and also a huge opportunity, right? Welcome to the Art of Humanity. I'm your host, Jessica Ann. This is my podcast where you can listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and your favorite entrepreneurs. You can explore creativity and consciousness, evolve your business with the art of humanity. Now, here's this week's episode. Welcome to episode 47 of the Art of Humanity. Thank you for tuning in to last week's episode with Noah Lampert. I've received so much amazing feedback on the episodes with not only Noah, but Eric Davis, Dr. Teresa Bullard. So much gratitude and mutual respect to you, my lovely listeners. I just received this review in iTunes by Party Nacho. Just stumbled upon this podcast and was instantly hooked. Very approachable and engaging, especially as someone who is new to this stuff. The host asks the same questions that I would, so it's relatable and informative. We'll definitely continue listening and look forward to more episodes. A+. Thank you, Party Nacho. (laughs) So let's get into today's episode. There's all this talk about 5D. What exactly is 5D consciousness? The universe does this thing where it aligns you with people, things, and situations that match the energy that you put out. The more that you improve yourself and raise your vibration, the more you will see things that are beneficial to your well-being. 5D is a high vibration reality, a space in consciousness which resides only in the higher vibrations of love, harmony, unity, joy, and peace. The goal of 5D is to assist as many people globally as possible in waking up. And there's this thing called the Global 5D Earth Project. And this goal is to assist as many people globally as possible in waking up to their divine higher nature and to provide knowledge that will help them improve their life and their spiritual journey. And life gets trippy and things happen instantaneously. If you've ever been to Maui, there's an instantaneous synchronicity that happens when you're on that magical island. And whatever emotion you're feeling, things come back to you tenfold. It's really potent energy. And it happens to me pretty frequently. Actually, I'll give you an example. This week, I was thinking about who to interview for the next guest on this season, which is all about consciousness. And I use a high amount of discernment to figure out who would be the best guests to bring on my show who really elevates the conversations out there about consciousness. And I recently stumbled on this guy that does work with sacred geometry art. And just yesterday, he shows up at my co-working space and starts having a conversation with me out of nowhere. I kid you not. And these are the experiences that allow me to sit back and laugh because life is so synchronistic and weird and wonderful. And it's proof that there's a higher order when you can tap into the higher vibrations like love, peace, and bliss. What does this have to do with marketing? (laughs) Well, my guest today bridges the gap. In seeing the world from a 5D perspective way back in the day, she re-engineered Wired Magazine. And this goes to show, no offense to anyone who may work at traditional media publishers, but we're re-engineering how we communicate. And the way to birth it is through energy, language, and communication. That's why I've compiled everything that you need to activate your human potential to emerge into the 5D paradigm through epic content. This is a proprietary approach that I teach that grows businesses 10 times the rate of doing it the traditional way. If you're ready to transform your life to start a freedom-based business 
or to scale your current business, this moment is further proof of the power of synchronicity. Whether you're listening to this message the day it's published or many moons later, this message is meant for you. If you want to gain deeper self-knowledge, develop the sovereignty to live life on your own terms, and bring epic content to life, I'd love to talk with you to map out your blueprint. You can DM me on Instagram at beingishuman or email me at hello at artofhumanity.io. That's a new Instagram handle, by the way. It's at beingishuman. Let my story help you get to a place where you're no longer living by society's rules. If you want to customize a business and lifestyle that works for you, your special, unique self, DM me at beingishuman. So let's get to today's episode. In this interview, my guest Sabine Messner and I discuss how our galaxy is being reconfigured, no big deal, (laughs) why we are reliving the Renaissance era through the freedom of self-expression, the connection between esoteric ideas and technology. We also discuss why you shouldn't worry about followers, a huge list, or any of the other ego metrics, and how to become the creator of your life. Also, Everything is energy, even in the digital world. So if you're looking for me under my old Instagram handle, I just mentioned that I've evolved since then. And again, please find me on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at beingishuman. Message me and say hi. Here's episode 47 of season five, my interview with Sabine Messner. To get all the links and show notes from this episode, go to artofhumanity.io slash episodes. Sabine, thank you so much for joining me. Jessica Ann, it's an honor and a pleasure and a joy. Thank you so much for having me. What a bio. (laughs) I'm reading this and I'm thinking that you've had so many lifetimes on this earth so far. And I love how you've evolved over the years. In many ways, you've really launched the web with your work at Wired. And you've also been on the dark side of the web with some of your cybercrime marketing experience. And I also love the fact that you've kind of gone rogue since then. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how that got you into what you are and what you do today? Oh, yeah, this is a great question to launch us into this creative mix. I know that creativity is at the center of what you want to bring forth with the podcast, The Out of Humanity. And I'm very, very fortunate that as a little girl, when I was about six years old, made the powerful, I would call it an executive decision that I decided that I wanted to become an artist. So people, when they ask me, so Sabina, what do you want to become in you when you grow up? And I'm like, I want to become an artist. <laughs> and so it was a wild, big, adventurous sort of goal to go for that. But I made it happen. I got accepted and that was very difficult into, they only selected about 35 or 40 people per year. And I was one of them. It took me two years to be accepted. And I studied back then, and this was now the 80s, in West Berlin, the divided you know, city. You know, this was at the height of the Cold War, and it was technically actually in East Germany, in a very sort of anti-creative, anti-individualistic, expressionist, sort of regulated, communistic country. But there we had this little playground called West Berlin, the little remained sort of walled off, a walled-in city. And I had the pleasure to study visual communication. So that meant that everything that had to do with how do you make sense? How do you communicate meaning? And everything from like the origins of the alphabet, going back to symbols, mysterious symbols left in stone cages, to also the abuse of communication, mass manipulation, 
brainwashing? How do you actually get masses and masses of people to follow orders that oftentimes make no sense? We looked at the whole spectrum and we really celebrated at this very, very phenomenal moment in history, the individual freedom, the freedom of expression. And I was really, truly at the peak of my sort of like art studies when the Berlin Wall fell. I remember leaving the hall where my professor was giving a lecture on how important it is to keep looking, to keep staying in an investigative process. As an artist, we're the ones that are actually seeing the world into being. And I really, really understood both the political, the geo, social, political, economical meaning of that as an artist. And yet, it was also so challenging and so difficult as an artist to make a living. And this has always been something that bothered me deeply. When you look at other eras in history, you know, artists were at the center of our society because it was understood that they bring the riches to communities. And now we have really become sort of like these freaks and weirdos that are hanging out at the fringes of society, barely making a living. And so that's kind of like a bit of that quest that has me launched into the life that I live today and also the role that I play in the world. Mm, I love it. It's freedom of expression is everything today. And I feel like we are in a way reliving that Renaissance era where art is at the core of our society today, whether it's writing or poetry or painting, whatever it might be, if you can find a way to transmute the darkness into the light, I find that that is just the best way to be on this planet today. <laughs> so I love that you have such a really interesting background. And you mentioned that part of your background is having to do with communicating meaning, symbols, mass manipulation, brainwashing, you said, and you look at the whole spectrum of how we've communicated over time. And it brings us kind of to where we are today in the modern world, but also looking back into the ancient esoteric kind of symbols. And I'm curious how you bridge the gap between some of that ancient wisdom and tie it into the modern world today. You know, this is exactly what my master's was all about. I was so fascinated by these symbols and sort of the code, the language of code. And even the alphabet is a code. You know, when I was creating my master's, the digital sort of era was just sort of like bursting. It was just getting born. The web was not really in existence yet. We just had the internet and nobody had email and everybody was still sort of like in sort of like a manual world. And I really was able to conceive, and this sounds really bombastic, but it is the truth. As an artist, we have the ability to tune into also kind of sort of the field of ideas, where these ideas come from that we then as artists have the ability to give meaning to. It's a huge responsibility and also a huge opportunity, right? And so I was tuning into what is actually relevant, right? And this was like 1991, 92, 93. And I was creating this art installation. It was in a gallery room, not just a painting on the wall, but it was actually an entire, you know, building and room that I transformed into an experiential space. And it was called Fishing for the Heavenly Body. And what I did is I looked at the internet and the internet has seven layers. 
And I looked at the seven stairs to heaven and I sort of layered them together. I sort of overlaid them. I wanted to just experiment. Is there actually a connection between sort of esoterical ideas and technology? And to my big surprise, they absolutely lined up. And so I was able, through this artistic, visionary, futuristic approach, to really simulate actually the web before its inception. And it was an extraordinary experience. People loved it. And of course, you know, this was my master's. And I was able to show that the co-founders of Wired Magazine, namely Barbara Kaur, who was the creative director together with her husband of this legendary magazine that actually, you know, really brought the digital revolution into motion and really also coined it. It gave voice to the web. And she looked at this was basically slides in sort of like a see-through kind of little case. And she looked at it and she looked at me and she's like, oh my God, I have been praying for a person that has your ability to think, when can you start? We are building the first online magazine in the world. And I just was like, wow, seriously? And so that's how I was brought on board and Wired was sponsoring me. They supported me with a work visa and that's how my career began in the United States. It was all because I was really taking the role as an artist very, very seriously. I wasn't just using artistry as a creative expression to make me feel good or to reflect something back to me. I've always had sort of a calling to use art as a means to communicate to the mass our consciousness itself which brings us actually right into sort of like that topic that I know is so dear and near to your heart, which is like, what is consciousness? And how do we actually play with this as artists, mm -hmm. as creators? Definitely. Yeah, that question is on the tip of my tongue at every point in time. <laughs> so I love that you've just had such a transformative experience not only on your individual journey, but you pretty much have re-engineered the Wired brand since back in the 90s. I don't think many people can say that. <laughs> so thanks for that work in the world that you brought to life. Communicating to the mass consciousness is not, I guess to you, it seems like it comes pretty naturally and you've had to engineer kind of some wiring, pun intended, in your iOS, in your human iOS to be able to get to that depth, to perceive that level of depth, to communicate that depth to a magazine like Wired. So I love that that's been your background. That's your backbone, really, and your foray for mm -hmm. the rest of your career. And I just find that fascinating. Can I just share a secret? Sure. Can I just write right here? It's like right in the open. By the way, it's 5.55. I love that. So, so the perfect. secret is I know that many people that may be tuning into this podcast may also feel this very strong desire and urge within themselves, almost like in their bones or in their DNA, that they also have a role in affecting the mass consciousness. I'm not the only one. I know that there's thousands and thousands of people that feel this almost like responsibility. And at times it can even feel like a burden. But here's the secret that I want you to all to know. If you really want to affect the collective consciousness and mass consciousness, please do not go for the millions. Don't worry about having millions of followers. Don't worry about having lists building stuff and all of that. None of that makes any difference. In fact, all the people that started out when the expert industry was really hip and happening, you know, 10 years ago, I was in a mastermind community 
where everybody was constantly, you know, recycling mentors and so on and so forth. And everybody was like, oh, we got to reach the millions. We got to make the millions to reach the millions and reach the millions and make the millions and millions and millions and millions. It's like hypnotizing. And I was like, okay, I'll go right ahead, you know, go, go run and chase to these simulation goals. And meanwhile, how I really wanted to affect the fabric was through my own consciousness. Because when you really, really go into the core of who you are, where the entire universe really, really, truly is at your fingertips, when you can restore the unbelievable amounts of awareness and then also love and compassion and power within yourself, this is the fastest, cleanest, and most efficient way to affect not only the collective consciousness, but all of the sentient beings all around you, including the stone people, the rock people, the planet people, everything in the universe, 100% instantaneously respond. And so now you are co-creating versus chasing really one-dimensional goals you're not really reaching the millions and the masses by, by trying to hustle your way to some sort of like clicks. You're competing with robots. It makes no difference. And for all this sort of like hustling and busting in the expert industry and all of the talk about making a difference in the world, I've always asked myself, so where is the freaking difference then? If millions and millions have wanted to impact millions of other people, why are we still in the same crappy situation by far and large? Totally. And I think this speaks to the difference in our human iOS. Every human has a different engineering. And I think that a lot of the times we keep just doing and doing and doing without being and without hugely into when it comes to understanding the four different types of human design. One of them is the projector, which you've done a human design reading for me, thank you very much, which is super fascinating. And there are also the generators and there are also the reflectors and the manifestors. So I think it comes down to knowing your human design and then operating from that core essence but you tell me, I mean, how does human design play into knowing whether you are on this earth to do or whether you're on this earth to be? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I really picked up human design a couple of years ago because it really was giving me the ability to access the fabric, the DNA, if you so well, of a person's soul. Prior to my using human design to sort of really kind of almost shortcut that ability to click with a person on the level of their essential making, I was actually taking people on multidimensional soul journeys. And you've actually experienced that yourself. You came to the Soul Purpose Wealth Retreat in the desert of Arizona, and you've actually experienced how I used to be able to access people's soul, if yes. it's the world, by actually launching them into these multidimensional journeys without any plant medicine. I do want to really say that that's, I've actually never taken any sort of plant medicines it's not saying that I'm against it or anything like that. I, for myself, have just chosen not to engage with that. I just feel like I have the ability to have that access without it and why distort it. I want to stop you there because I was on that trip, that soul retreat, and Sabine is the real freaking deal. Like You have no idea the amount of transformation that happens in that short few days and it was a zero point reset so we were in the middle of the navajo desert and literally the clock would say three different times all at once it was the craziest and most practical experience i've ever had so i just want to just let people know that my experience on that retreat was just so profound so thank you for that 
Thank you. Yes. Oh my God. You know, and I honestly don't know why I have been gifted with this access <laughs> that I am I'm literally able to sort of like in a fairly easy way and a tangible way to sort of like open the veils and let people have a peek into their past and into their future because we're really all in the now, right? So human design, back to human design, it is just a very super practical access point. I love that I get to use it because it really allows us to even take it to a level of nuance and detail that the soul journeys don't really provide. The soul journeys provide the emotional as a magnetic story, if you so will, but the human design foundation really, really lets us dive into the consciousness and both the unconscious and the consciousness of a person the journey that they are here to illuminate because we're always here to go back and forth. I mean, that's really the thing. Our work here in this life is to make the conscious, to make the unconscious conscious. And vice versa, every time when we have a consciousness, we always have something that slips out of that consciousness back into this unconsciousness. So it's always this beautiful dance. And I really feel it's deeply connected to the law of polarity, the plus and the minus, the light and the dark. It's our dance and how skillful and ultimately how artful are we with this dance because we're never only either or, we're always both. Mm, so true. And I think that was Carl Jung's philosophy was his whole mission in his work was to bring the darkness to light. It incorporates some psychological roots and understanding of our innate nervous system wirings and how we work through those. I know that for a lot of people, we all have some type of trauma from early childhood, whether we realize it or not, but that's how our nervous system kind of gets rewired and or basically just wired. And then if you can't uncover the way that we're deeply programmed, then we'll always just be doing the same things on repeat throughout our entire life. So I think your work is so important because what happens is it sends the person, the individual getting these readings into a journey of their own psyche. And they can then attain a level of personal freedom that they never had before because they now know, have this deep knowledge of themselves and their personal journey and what they're on this planet to do. I know that that has been my experience with the work that we've done. One of the readings that you did for me, the human design reading, has it's just starting. I mean, I'm in the toddler phase of truly understanding my human design, and I think it really takes a lifetime to integrate everything. So it's all about integration, integrating the shadow and the light, as you were saying. So I guess how can listeners do that if they're just hearing about this darkness and the lightness and how we merge them together? I think that that is really a lot of many people's journeys today. What is one good solution or way of approaching this such a deep, profound mission on Earth? Gosh, that's why I love jamming with you. We're, we're like sort of like jazz musicians. I was going to also quote Carl Jung. <laughs> I'm so great that you brought that in. So I really want to boil it all really down. There's so much information. The internet really has just sort of mushroomed into sort of like a never-ending, always devouring sort of like information absorption machine that also puts all this information out. And we can all feel such an overwhelm when it comes to this question of like, how do I navigate this, my life? How do I become the designer the artist, the creator of my own life experience and expression. And I really want to just boil it down to something super, 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 super simple. So firstly, 
I would like to suggest to all of the listeners that you play with this following concept. Try it out and play with it for not just a day or so. Play with it for a couple weeks, a couple months, and really, really, really sort of struggle with it to a degree as well. The creation process, the origination process is a struggle. It really is the art of embracing something that is not easy to do, something that is a birth is not an easy thing to do. I mean, a mother who now struggles for nine months in her body to birth, to form new life, and the same is really true also for art. And so if you really are committed to birthing yourself in your best life, your best amazing freedom of expression forth in the world, then embrace the struggle. It's a necessity to get the genie that's trapped in the bottle, through the bottleneck. That is part of this challenge that we have to embrace. And here's this idea that I would like to propose to you. There's nothing outside of you that is not inside of you. In other words, when we're looking at the world right now, there are so many problems, so many things that we now need to change that are sort of falling apart at the seams and are crumbling and on and on and on. And instead of sort of like getting caught up in all of this sort of negativity and also the overwhelm or even like the destructiveness of like this uncreation process that's happening where we're losing the grip of what has held the very fabric of our lives together, there isn't really anything outside of yourself that you're looking at. What you're really looking at is really your own creation. So I always take 100% responsibility for what I'm seeing, for my perspective. I try to always, always, always not to project it back out. So if I see something in quote-unquote negative, then I ask myself, how can I perceive Firstly, I don't just want to change it. I'm also really trained in perceiving things through a negative and dark lens. That's something that I think humans have to learn again. We can't just always deny the dark because that makes it bigger. It makes it more ugly. It's just a very problematic thing. We actually have to train ourselves to look through a bit of a negative lens. This is called critical observation. There is nothing wrong with that. So enjoy having a critical perspective and try to not judge. There's actually a wonderful quote by Carl Jung who says, thinking is difficult. That's why most people judge. It's so easy to judge others and to say, ah, oh, this is negative. This is disastrous. And what were they thinking? Why are we living in such a terrible world? And we're flinging all this negative judgment back out. But what if you could actually like take it on? And there is no extreme that should stop you. I'll give you two examples. There's a lot of consciousness and awareness moving towards the Me Too movement right now and to this sort of like deeply ingrained victim and perpetrator sort of dynamic that we've had between men and women, right? But that's also been really institutionalized. It's been established in the patriarchy for thousands of years. So we're looking at this very controversial topic right now. And it's so easy to sort of judge and say, you are the perpetrator. I'm the victim and I'm good by design and you're bad by design, right? But what if you are actually taking that inside of yourself? What if you're actually processing the perpetrator archetype within yourself? I couldn't be talking about this topic about making the unconscious conscious if I would not also share that for as long as I've been on this planet, I took on the role as in my generation, I'm born in the 60s, to really work out the shadow in the collective consciousness of the German psyche. 
I am married to a beautiful, beautiful Jewish man. I have been accepted into a Jewish family. And I feel really welcomed and at home in that, but I could never have arrived at this place if I would have not actually, really, truly, sincerely, over many, 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 many years, really also loved, in quote, unquote, the Nazi bitch within myself. This is how we make the unconscious conscious. We actually bring it into ourselves. So whatever we judge, whatever we hate, whatever is really, really problematic for us to accept, Bring it into your own heart as if it's your own child, because truthfully it is, as if it's your own creation, because truthfully it is. So if it has to do with animals, if you're really up in arms about animal rights, if you are really passionate about environmental issues, the planet, everybody has a different sort of pain and source around what they're really wanting to change. Instead of projecting it back out and saying, we need to do our X, Y, and Z, bring it within yourself, because there's nothing outside of you. And once you do that, you actually affect the collective consciousness the quickest, in the quickest, most fastest, most cleanest, most effective way. And speaking about human design, the karma clears because we are all here to work on the opposite. It's almost like we're gravitating towards the enemy. We're actually gravitating towards the polar opposite that we represent because that has been our healing journey. And we've been doing this for thousands of years, for thousands of incarnations. And it will not stop. So the faster we can embrace that we deny, the faster we can find that we feel we have lost, the more whole we become and the more consciousness and therefore also creation power we can hold. Definitely. And it's not an easy journey. It's not like we signed up for this thinking it would be easy. Anyone on this path is listening right now that is on a similar soul purpose path knows it's a really deep, profound journey that we're all on especially when you mentioned to see things through a negative lens with a critical observation. And for me, I mean, I did go through that phase and I still am able to discern through both that negative, that delicate dance between negative and positive. But it's so easy to enter into this nihilistic phase, which actually ended up happening after I went through the spiritual bypassing phase. Mm -hmm. Throughout them both, I was kind of in my head psychoanalyzing myself and being like, oh, I'm not a spiritual bypasser. And like knowing that that term existed and then actually feeling the depth of the reality of being so high on life and so love and light and then being brought down to earth in a grounded way. And then you enter in through this like nihilistic phase. And one of my other guests on The Art of Humanity, his, he's a good friend, Jeff Brown, he says that or he believes that spiritual bypassing may be a necessary part of the journey. So I'm curious, like we're all going through these phases at different times and in different ways. And people that are listening to this may be listening at different access points in their lives. Is there like one general, and I just shared my theme or the way that my spiritual journey has transformed over the past few years. Have you seen a similar theme or what kind of path have you been on over the years? How do you get to that place of critical thinking without getting too depressed or nihilist? I love that. I love that we're diving into that sort of dichotomy there, because I also think that that's why it's so important that we travel, that we sort of cross-pollinate between different cultures, because believe it or not, cultural upbringing has quite a bit to do. We are sort of trained around being happy. I have been grown up, obviously, in Germany, which is really very much connected to analytical thinking. A lot of philosophers have come forth from that. And there's obviously shadow and downsides with that as well. 
that we sort of really thrive on critical thinking as a culture, right? We love to take sort of things apart. And for us, the value of, in quote, unquote, happiness is almost like an abstract, right? Yeah. So there's almost like sort of like a blind spot and the unconsciousness in that cultural conditioning. And then I moved to California to the sheer opposite. But everybody needs to be happy. (laughs) If you were sad, there was something wrong with you. And how can you be happy and be comfortable? And so I felt I had such a culture shock. I was so like a fish out of water in sort of like that sort of environment where I felt like something was sincerely wrong with me because I wasn't even like focused on being happy. And I had to actually ask myself, what does that even mean? (laughs) How can I even be happy? So I have really learned through traveling a lot to different continents, Asia, Africa, down to South America. Look at how different people define happiness and also live it, right? How can they truly live it? And I have actually felt that oftentimes as we're sort of entering sort of the spiritual echelon of like highly conscious people that are sort of really so overly focused and overly sort of concerned with their happiness that we're actually really entering a very sort of fake world or pseudo world everything is ultimately sort of reorganized to support this happiness dogma. I myself really don't concern myself with happiness. Happiness to me, just the same as with money, are byproducts of my being. So I sort of create prosperity and happiness because I focus on liberation. I focus on freedom. I focus on expression and truth. And when I do that, by necessity, automatically, I feel happy, I feel liberated, and it is directly connected to my bottom line, to my income, to my ability to actually sort of receive money. It's an interesting thing. And this is another concept that the listeners can try out. You know, if your focus on happiness has made you thoroughly unhappy, (laughs) maybe you shouldn't be focusing on it so much. (laughs) Amen. It's so true. I think that I've always kind of been a melancholy kind of person just because my parents were always like, why aren't you happy? And it was always this kind of burden. I was always a burden on people. You kind of you're, were programmed to fake that smile. And you see someone walking on the street and smile. And it's like, no, I don't want to smile. Just be true to who you are. There's such a liberation that happens when you own your feelings even if they're not always the positive and the happy and the laughing type of emotion. I think when you are really real with yourself and you find ways to really explore the depth of your soul, I think that's when the true joy, and it's not even happiness, it actually goes beyond happiness for me personally, because when I'm able to explore the depths of who I am as an individual, as a human on this planet, I feel pure joy. Like I said, it's just beyond happiness. It's just this expression of a personal fulfillment that I'm able to tap into that, which exceeds the superficial happy. (laughs) So it's just such an interesting phenomenon, emotions. It's just so beautiful that we're all here exploring different emotions at different times. This is how important your role is in sort of retrieving your melancholy and honoring your melancholy and living a glorious melancholic life. First, I want to say that most of the fantastic, fantastic world famous artists, whether they are musicians, painters, or writers, have been melancholists. 
And I myself have a very strong melancholic streak. And I love that I could tap into that when I studied to become an artist, right? I mean, you have to literally almost like study that. What a world we live in. But what is melancholy anyways? I mean, it is actually the ability to be right at that sort of zero point, right? Where night is coming, the sun is rising, night is ending, or the day is ending and nightfall is coming. Melancholy is a very, very important spectrum. And it brings this deep ability to reflect. This is why your podcast brings people into this deep reflection because it's really almost like this state of crossroads, right? Where it's neither this nor that, but it's just that transition. Such an important quality, right? So everybody has, like you said, a particular frequency. And we can see that in the human design. And we can start to play the notes, right? We can literally play the notes. And we need the highlights, just as much as we need the low lights. We need the full spectrum. And we're not here to just play a narrow gamut. And spirituality condensed to this like happy pseudo programming is really not bringing humanity forward at all. Because look what we have denied. Look what we have lost. We've lost so many of really good friendships for fake sort of like display on Instagram of happiness. And now that's supposed to be moving millions Come on, people, really? No, we can really drop in and we can really, really stay a little bit longer in that critical perception and really bringing it into ourselves. And that's where really the work begins. Mm, amen. And this ties into what you were saying earlier about not looking at the millions, not looking at the follower count, doing things your own way, really being a rebel and a renegade. What comes across as a rebel and a renegade maybe from the outside, but only you will know what you're doing because you're listening to your intuition and letting that guide you along the way. So it really goes and, against mainstream. You're kind of counterculture. And then also another really cool thing. We haven't tapped into that yet. The multidimensional levels of consciousness. Oh my gosh. I was about to ask so, you about this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yay. So here's the other thing. How do we know that we're really impacting the collective consciousness on such a level that it can impact generations. I've made an executive decision that with my own level of consciousness, I am not a published author. I'm, I'm, I've been co-authoring a couple of books and this, that, and the other, but I have really not felt the need to sort of portray to the outside world that I am sort of this or that. Status has meant very, very little to me. And I can see that even in my own human design. What means the world to me, Jessica, is the experience. I sort of like I ravish the experience. I go for the experience. And for me, once I have an experience, I'm sort of kind of done. It's almost like next, you know? <laughs> yeah, I feel you, sister. So that's a gate 29, you know, onwards with the next experience. And so I guess what I'm saying here is that we don't know sometimes when we're so busy trying to be all of these things to the outside world and we're really orienting ourselves to this current and quote-unquote reality, which, which is in reality more sort of like a simulation, a holographic simulation. And we're so concerned with that, we're really not affecting the very fabric that would actually affect generations to come. When we're really doing the inner work and we are evolving DNA, and this is the work that you have been doing, you are doing it with the podcast. You're doing it with the conversations that you're having. But I also have seen and witnessed that you're doing it on your own individual level. You are evolving your DNA. And that inner world and that devotion that you have to your exploration, to your expression, 
and to you doing the dance, that's the work that will impact millions of years, tens of thousands of years, because one individual truly liberating herself. Oh my God, that changes the fabric of the galaxy of the Milky Way. That's the power. And you're really tapping into that. I see that. I witness that. And that's what I've also decided to do with my own artistry. And accolades, awards, and all of those things, they come and they go and they're lovely. And that's wonderful. But that's really not where we should be orienting and quote unquote our success by. At least that's a choice that I've made. And that's certainly contributed to my happiness. <laughs> It's so true. I love that you bring this up because I feel that on a deep level, you know, and even when you become quote unquote free from the matrix, there are these different levels of even entrepreneurship. Do you have a book? Are you an author? Do you have a course? Do you have this? And it's like, even if you think you're out of the matrix, there are these still these levels of it's like a video game, you know, like how many levels have you achieved? Do you have an Instagram bio with that's approved with a checkbox next to it? Do you have this? Do you have that? And it's all these fancy external identifications that make the person look, quote unquote, good or better to the outside world. But who knows how that person feels on the inside? Those are all accolades that may be meaningless to them. So it's really about knowing what success means to you and knowing how you can bring true joy really into your life, whether that's the emotion you want to feel or whether you just want to be, some people listening to this might be okay with being happy. <laughs> Not everyone is meant to be melancholy and have that those levels of different emotions. So I think there's true joy and beauty in discovering who you are. And like you said, when we all do this deep work, we are reconfiguring the Milky Way. We are figuring our galaxy. Tell me more about this. And I know we're getting close to that hour mark. So I do want to bring up the multidimensional perspective and how the deep work does, in fact, evolve humanity on our Earth. So tell me more about how our galaxy is being reconfigured when we do do this deep work. So, yeah, I can literally like take an example that I've experienced yesterday. So yesterday, my husband and I, we were coming back from a road trip. We have been on a 10, 12 day long road trip through New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, and we were coming back on this glorious Route 89 by Bryce Canyon Zion National Park through Hopi and Navajo land. And it was just absolutely epic. And the sun was setting. And in the far distance in the West, there was this wildfire. And it sort of like was this beautiful sunset, but then also this like, oh my God, there's a fire in the West. So a bit of that eerie feeling. And we were driving and talking with my husband and we were like, we felt like we were driving on the bottom of an ocean. Geographically, this whole area was covered by water. This was actually the bottom of an ocean. It was millions of millions of years ago. And I have known this and I've been on this road before. And I didn't have, in quote unquote, the consciousness at the time. I just had sort of like a belief you know, like a knowing, like I had sort of like a historical fact that yes, this was at some point underwater. But yesterday we were driving with a different level of multidimensional awareness where we're driving on a real desert road. It's the desert. There are red rocks all around and they have fantastical shapes because over hundreds and hundreds of years, the water was gushing at them and they looked so weird, like no wind could have caused them. No earthquake could have shaped them like that. It was the water over many, many hundreds of years or thousands of years. 
and it was almost like we could see the aquatic life and it was literally like the veils were so thin that we were driving in the right now that entailed the past of this distant ocean and we were driving in the submarine we could feel the water and then we were also feeling this future potential of like wow what will this look like potentially after the pole switch what will the future landscapes look like? And will we have hovercrafts or uh, sky cities? And this is an example of where my consciousness has taken me is that in quote unquote, I can trip on reality. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to also leave our listeners with. When we have been taught that this particular world that we live in is reality, we've actually been taught a lie. The definition of reality is actually that can never be changed, and that is always eternal. That's actually the definition of reality. Reality is the definition of that's eternal and that can never be changed. Right now, as I'm speaking to you, my cells are changing. My hair is growing. My physiology, through also the conversation, is affected, is changing. Right now, the light is going down. It's becoming dark. Our reality is not fixed. Our reality is a state of being, is a state of consciousness. And where we are in the galaxy, we are closer to the galactic center than we have been in, gosh, however long. It's been long coming, tens of thousands of years. And we're really sort of in this place where the multidimensional bells are opening up to even ordinary people that a couple of years ago would have not wanted to be part of this conversation whatsoever. This would have been way too easy for them. <laughs> Also feeling like things are cracking open and I'm seeing things and I'm feeling things. And what is this? And I want you to really play with this idea that time, this linear time is really truly an illusion, just as reality is an illusion. So if you are all really able to make it up, so then the question becomes, what is it that you want to create? What is it that you want to create? And then when you really dive into that question, what it is that you want to create, you must also answer the next question, and that is, who are you to create that you wish to create? So it taps right into that core essence of like, know thyself, retrieve everything that you can find about yourself, observe your own observation, be a critical, compassionate observer to yourself, and from that place, create the world that you live in. Because the future and the past is really at your fingertips. And why not create a future that is worth remembering? Why not create a future that is worth living than flinging the judgments and the negative projections back and forth in a false attempt for happiness? So brilliant in the heart. (laughs) I'm saying not in the mind. They're exuding this embodied essence of clarity that I love. And it's beyond true. I mean, I've witnessed it myself, not only in your presence, in the desert in Arizona, but many times on my own where time is nonlinear. I can say that with such authority (laughs) because I've experienced it and I know too many listeners that might be a little too out there, but if you keep doing this deep work and you peel back the layers of what you think quote unquote reality is, you'll be able to tap into this multidimensional layer of reality that is beyond words. And Sabine helps me get there often, (laughs) as she does with her work in the world. So Sabine, anything else you'd like to add? Gosh, I can't think of 
Anything else? I think we covered a really beautiful territory. I think the only thing that I would love to leave people with is um, are two quotes by Carl Jung, and they are as follows. The way you perceive others reveals who you are, and knowing your own darkness is the best method for dealing with the darkness of other people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I like how you laugh after that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's, I mean, the universe has a sense of humor too. So, I mean, even though it sounds kind of really dark and shadowy, there, there is light at the end of it, you know? So there's so much depth to this beautiful life that we're here on earth to access. So thanks for guiding us through this journey, Sabine. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's been such a joy. And to everyone, enjoy your own creations. That's the most important thing. You know, enjoy your life. Enjoy your own creations. You made it to the end of this podcast. This means the world to me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Feel free to hop on over to my podcast website, artofhumanity.io, for show notes or past interviews. You can also message me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My name is Jessica Ann, and my handle is beingishuman. That's B-E-I-N-G-I-S-H-U-M-A-N. I'd love to hear from you and learn more about what you've enjoyed from this episode. If you really love this podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on Apple Podcasts right now and left a review. It helps way more than you know. You can also share this episode with two of your friends who you think would enjoy it. Let's get the Art of Humanity movement going. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Listen, explore, evolve.